Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as a copywriter, writer for the deep, upcoming animated TV adventure, rad asterisk dude with a bad tood, double asterisk, and then in brackets, one asterisk, radical, two asterisks, attitude. Clarity is important. (laughs) Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Dan Hall. Hi, that's me. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Usually with a, a handshake, a hearty, firm handshake. And I say, hi, I'm Dan. Are you asking, you, do you mean whether I use Dan or Daniel? Do you just mean just generally? Do I come on forcefully or meekly? Both of those things. Do I, do I descend upon people from the ceiling and jump upon their shoulders and go, I'm Dan? <laughs> I like to enter parties like the Joker does in The Dark Knight. Yes. Um, yeah, you just say, I'm Dan, and people say, is this your baby? And then they don't speak to me for the rest of the afternoon because their, their attention is elsewhere. How recent an addition is your baby? A little over 10 months. Do you find when you do have those social moments then without your, your new child, this is your first, mm-hmm. yes? First, that's correct. When you have those social situations without your child, has it changed yes. how you respond or react? Has it changed the way I interact with people? Mm. Even if the baby is not there? Especially if the baby is not there. Yes, because I'm generally a lot more tired. (laughs) So people say, hi, I'm whoever, and I kind of nod once and fall back to sleep. Has having a a child in your care altered the way you look at the world? Yes. How so? Uh, priorities tend to be a little bit different. Um, so I pay a lot more attention to, um, you know, uh, things like my house and my car and those sort of practical needs things a lot more than I used to. And so my priorities are just in a different place. Um, so, you know, I was happy just kind of renting and all that for a while and then I had a baby and then we bought a house. So it's while it's not strictly baby-related, when you hear house-related things, it's all kind of a knock-on from that. So, you know, interest rate rises and all that sort of business. Um, and so you just see the world through a different kind of prism. Yes. And then in terms of people, like when you meet people, you generally just think like, you don't, you haven't lived, you don't know what life is. <laughs> you, sleep, you sleep probably at least nine hours concurrently. Concurrently? Consecutively. Pardon me. It could be both of those things. I'd be very impressed if someone slept nine hours concurrently. <laughs> all at once. With all of those changes that have come uh, for you in, in your life and, and, and that shift in priorities, sure. has that for you then meant that you feel like you've grown up? I do. I do feel that within the last couple of years particularly, uh, I've taken on a lot more responsibility and mm-hmm. I mean I've become more of a grown-up in inverted quote marks you know air fingers around yes. around grown up but you know I have a mortgage now I have a baby I have a a family station wagon that was purchased new and all those things are things I didn't have say two years ago 
mm-hmm. and which has had that's had knock on effects in things like my work life. I have a different job than I used to. I keep different hours, so on. Are you comfortable with the place that you're in because of that? I am. Um, there are certainly there's aspirational things. I could be more comfortable, definitely, but I'm uh, happier generally with my situation than I was prior to all of that. I used to work in retail, and that's just awful. Yes, and it was it was not too. sustainable once the baby came around. He's doing evenings, he's doing weekends, and it's no good. What do you do really well? Write, I would say. Um, for enjoyment as well as? For enjoyment as well as for work. It's my job. Um, I'm getting better at it. I, I wouldn't say that I'm expert level. I haven't put in the um, Malcolm Gladwell recommended 10,000 hours yet, but I'm working yes. on it. You said parenting? parent and that's really well is probably pushing it moderately well she's still alive so i've met the minimum basic requirements you're the only one that can judge that though as far as how well you're doing the parenting i mean in anyone else's opinion is moot isn't it I, uh my partner probably has some some degree of say there uh, and matilda <laughs> the baby she can't i meant outside me your family now. unit <laughs> Yes. She will be the she will be the most important judge and that judgment won't be in for another thirty years or so. I know yeah, as soon as she starts talking you'll get feedback, trust me. <laughs> okay. That's something to look forward to. It's good it's a good thing I regularly break her jaw then. <laughs> Gosh. In in the how did you prepare yourself to become a dad? Ah, uh, that is a really, really good question. You mean uh mentally, emotionally, physically? Financially, all the above. Any of those that you want to talk about? Thought about it a lot. Um, You know, just kind of hypothetically put yourself in different situations. What am I going to do if she gets sick? What am I going to do if she breaks a leg? What am I going to do if she votes liberal? All these crisis situations. How many times to the answer of those questions was, I'll put on my bat suit and we'll jump in the Batmobile and solve everything? Every single time, that was the first response because you got to go with your gut. <laughs> yes, um, but you have you have to formulate a plan B, just in case. You know, you've you've sized up out of the bat suit. I did put on a few kilos. Uh, <laughs> Your baby weight. <laughs> baby weight. Apparently, that's a thing. I'm told it's not just me that dads put on weight, not just the mums. Um, yes, that which is makes true. sense. I guess it's an interruption to your routine. I don't. I have to get home straight away to help with dinner, so I don't go to the gym anymore. And um, you know, all your routines are different. So I guess that sort of makes a makes a certain amount of sense. That's something I'm working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, how did I prepare myself? Worked a little bit harder on sort of finances and those practical things, getting getting all your ducks in a row, making sure you can cover, you know, all those sort of extra costs and things that come along with that come along with having a baby, probably worked harder on getting the job that I really wanted to get so yes. that I could be in a better position. I wasn't working those evenings and weekends that retail requires. Um, so that was probably a big aspect of the preparation. Like just make make my life such that I will be in the best position to be good at this, if that makes sense. Yes. Have you got that job that you wanted? Yeah. Um, sort of. I'm a screenwriter and I write for an animated TV series and it's amazing, but it's it's a freelance way of life. And so I need to be picking up gigs with probably more regularity to be really happy with it. 
because we're currently in the downtime between seasons. Um, yes. I don't, know how, I don't know how much I can talk about the behind the scenesy businessy sort of stuff, but I mean, in, in a general sense, we all know that being a freelancer is not as reliable as we necessarily would like. Um, and so I do need, probably need to work a bit more at teeing up some other gigs and really building up that, that aspect of my working life. In the meantime, I've got a job as a copywriter and content writer. That's fine. What can't you tolerate? Oh, what a question. Um, let's see. I immediately went dietary. I don't have an intolerance mm. to gluten or dairy or anything like that. I have a voluntary intolerance to meat, which mm-hmm. has become a kind of intolerary involuntary response uh, just because I went without it for so long now. The smell of it is really, really strong to me and kind of off-putting and repulsive. Um, in a broader sense, I don't know, injustice, racism, homophobia, minties. Just too difficult to eat. If I need mint, I'll just have a breath mint. The whole process will be done in about 45 seconds. Do you do anything about those? Minties. I just avoid them. Fair. What about the others? Uh, sort of broader causes. I do donate to a few charities on a semi-regular basis. And um, outside of that, probably not. So just, you've, you've forced me to, to examine my commitment to my own principles I mean, there's, there have been times when I've stepped in in uh, individual interactions or situations just to say, hey, man, that's not cool. So I guess just the kind of baseline level of advocacy that we all should for the, the things we believe in, you know, don't say that. That's a touch racist. Come on, mate. Have you found yourself in a place of danger when you've had to do that? Ah, uh, not real danger. There's... You, aggression, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, someone calling you a dickhead and getting in your face a bit. But in certain situations when it's broad daylight and there's a lot of people around and um, it doesn't feel as dangerous as it would if, you know, you were the sole person and it was happening in an alley in the middle of the night. I've never been in, I've never been in a situation where I thought that I was in uh, any kind of bodily harm or at risk of any kind of bodily harm for just speaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never avoided such a situation out of cowardice or, or self-preservation. It just hasn't really come up. I don't know if that would prevent me. That's probably a, that's an interesting hypothetical. That's one of those things that you probably don't know the the answer to, whether you would step in at, at great physical risk until it actually happens. I'm prob- I would probably run away. I feel like I'm a coward. Why is it cowardice to run away? Oh, as opposed to just a, the perfectly natural instinct for self-preservation. Because um, I think I would like to tell myself in the light of day when there's nothing at risk that I'm the kind of person who would always stand up to protect the downtrodden. And, of course, I would, you know, step in between step in between the innocent and danger wherever I come across those things. We all like to think that we're Batman. Mm-hmm. Very few of us are Batman. There's been, what, three? If you count Dick, Grace, Dick Grayson and John Paul Valley. Well, it also depends. Are we only talking the comic book realm or are we talking films and television? 
oh, well, I was saying there's there's been Bruce and there's been Dick and there's been Jean-Paul, if you want to talk actors. Oh, dozens, really. This seems like a tangent. This feels like a tangent. It does, but it's uh, part of the conversation is us understanding some of your thought process, Dan. Yeah, of course. I understand that. Do you think that uh, given that you're now a dad, mm-hmm. that your flight mechanism in, in face of crisis or in, in, in uh, that kind of situation, that that would change or it would be more acute, i.e. I need to protect myself and my, my family? I think that my flight mechanism as opposed to flight is closer to the surface than I would like to admit. I was probably obfuscating mm-hmm. that slightly in our previous or related topic of conversation when I emphasized how much of a coward I would be. Um, there's a part of me, this is the first time I've ever admitted this. You've gone full Mark Marin on me, Steve Malk. Okay. Um, there's a part of me that's really itching to get into a fight just to see if I could win it or to prove that I'm the kind of person who would happily run into a fight if it was justified. Not for a righteous reason, but just so people would see me being that kind of guy. Have you ever been in a, like at school, like in a, in a fisticuffs kind of situation? Uh, I've been beaten up, um, not at school. Uh, and that's where I think a lot of it stems from that. Or I don't know if it... I don't know if that aspect of my personality existed before that. I think it probably did under the surface, but that brought it to the surface because I played it in my head a lot afterwards and thought, uh, you know, if I, if, I, if I was in that situation again, I would, you know, I'd chase those guys or I'd, I'd find a weapon or, you know, stupid stuff. I'd take my shoe off and throw it at the back of his head. Who throws a shoe? Exactly. He wouldn't expect it. Well, they wouldn't expect it. It was three guys. Uh, I think it was a completely ill-targeted uh, homophobic attack. Um, I'm not. I'm heterosexual. Um, not really relevant, but I think they thought that I was gay because I was joking around with a close friend of mine in a way that would have looked to someone who didn't know either of us at all as if we were a couple, um, you know, just like a yeah, sort of, you know, in-joke bit of banter that we had going. Um, and it was three guys who saw that happening and then immediately ran up and just laid into us. And we were at an ATM. So my initial thought was like, oh, I'm being mugged. But they didn't, you know, they didn't take, you know, they didn't take any of the money we'd just gotten out and was still in our hand or anything wow. like that. Um, just one of them bailed my friend up against the wall and the other two kind of went to work on me. Um, the most scary part in my recollection was one of them kicked me and I stumbled backwards off the footpath into the path of traffic. And if it had been a couple, a few seconds earlier or later, Gosh. that would have been very, very bad for me just with the way the cars were going. So I kind of I fell into a, fell into a safe window by, by sheer luck. Mm. Um, it was very brief and they didn't do any serious damage and break any bones or anything. I think they were just, you know, um, being really douchey, horrible, hateful, awful alpha males and just, you know, get, getting a few licks in mm-hmm. and then running off down the street hooting. Um, 
so I don't I don't want to oversell it as something that was a great bit of physical trauma because <laughs> yeah. there are people who've been through much much worse things. So I, I you know, I, I want to have the proper perspective on it. I don't want to sound like I'm being yes poor me or that it was this sort of defining moment that uh, provoked me into becoming Batman. Um, but it's just it uh, it's something I was thinking a lot about in the aftermath of it and thinking about my reaction to it, which was very like, oh, let me at him. Come here, you, you rap bastards. As opposed to thinking about what I could do to avoid those situations or to, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't taking the high ground at all. I was thinking I should have chased those guys and found a weapon of some sort or gathered more people or done anything possible that I could to wreak physical vengeance upon them which is not the correct response. It's not a mature response. It's the response I had, for better or worse. And that is something I think about a lot. And, you know, kind of kind of apply that. It's a very adrenaline-charged response. It's an immediate response, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So once I kind of recognise that about myself, and I don't know if that was, I don't know if that's the response everyone would have. I don't know. I, you know, I don't think it's, it's freakish. I don't think I'm unusual to be to think that I would be angered by that but um yeah once once I kind of recognized that about myself I was any other situation that kind of uh, you know gets my hackles up at all I kind of take a step back and go is that real you response you want to have is this really is this worth it you know that's just a person mm-hmm. having a bad day you know take a breath step away from it do you find that humor is used by you more as a defense mechanism as opposed to a, a weapon? Uh, probably more the former. I find myself using it a lot to um, diffuse tensions in situations that would otherwise be awkward, to get around having arguments with family members and friends, to kind of put a face of, you know, we're all, we're all mates here, we're all having a laugh. It's, we're not mm. really having an argument because I very much, I, I heartily dislike confrontation of any sort. You know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's likely to, you know, send food back if it comes out cold or anything like that just because I don't want to make the waitress feel awkward. You know, I, w- I will do my utmost to avoid any kind of awkward confrontation. And so if you can, you know, any any card you have you can play to make things less awkward, all the better. Sure. Absolutely. If you were unable to be funny? I think a lot of people would say that that is a very accurate assessment of my ca- uh, capacity for being funny. <laughs> That's not what I meant. But let's, I hadn't um, finished my let's question. hypothetically say that I'm funny. Well, I, look, for what it's worth, I think that you're very funny. Thank you. So yes. if you were unable to be funny... Would that be something that you would miss or is it, no, I will, I, will, I will get on with life? I would probably just have to cultivate different ways of interacting with people. Maybe I would be more honest in my dealings and just be able to say this makes me unhappy. You don't think you are honest now? Um, honest is probably the wrong word because I don't know that joking to get through situations is dishonest, but it's certainly a way of diffusing and somewhat obfuscating and making ambiguous your true feelings. Mm-hmm. 
not in every situation. Sometimes humor is just humor, but I know that I can deploy it that way. What one thing would you change about your life today? That is a really good question. Um, so, uh, anything? If you had the power to change anything, what anything. would you change? This is such a selfish answer because I could wish riches and success and good health and mm-hmm. fortune upon people around me and my partner and my beautiful daughter. Um, I wish that I was skinnier. My weight mm-hmm. really bothers me. Because it uh, precludes you from doing something or just because it's a little bit of middle-aged spread? No, I just don't like I, – I, you know, don't like the way I look or the way clothes look on me. I was a fat kid and got bullied a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just it's just something I've always been sensitive to. How did you lose that weight? Uh, running and eating a bit better. It's not, um, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's generally the way people go about it. Eat a bit better and do a bit more exercise. It's just tricky to find the time at the moment. Yes, I've got a, I've got a system going. (laughs) You've got a system. I eat a lot of apples these days. Apples are good. I'm trying a thing where every time I feel like I want to get up and have a snack, like at work, I get up and have a glass of water instead. Um, because I realized a lot of it, a lot of my snacking is not because I'm hungry. It's just to have an excuse to get up away from the desk and, you know, keep your hands busy for a few moments and probably a lot of, a lot of what compels other people to smoke. Um, so I'm finding, I'm, you know, my, my chocolate bar intake is a lot less. My uh, toilet trip frequency is way, way up. And to the same end, your uh, level of hydration is is way, way up as well. So your urine colour would be excellent. Off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. So I could be proud of that, if nothing else. Look, who doesn't love a nice, clear urine stream? That's the legacy I'm going to leave for my daughter. <laughs> Look at the same in my tombstone. Here lies Dan Hall, you know, beloved husband and father. He peed. Super well. <laughs> I just upgraded myself from fiance to husband on my on my tombstone there. Wow. Yeah. So you know, my subconscious thinks that I'm going to live at least to see my wedding, which is nice. It's a very positive outlook on life, Dan. I'm nothing if not an optimist. When it came to naming your daughter, who won? No one. We kind of arrived at it mutually. You came with half, and so, your yeah. wife came with half. Partner came with half. Well, we, I can't remember which of us said it out loud, but we said it jokingly initially. And then the laughter died down and the name was still there. Yes, in the naming process for Matilda May, first name Matilda, middle name May, uh, we had a few ideas. We had a short list. Um, Then we started booting around ideas for names that sounded patriotic. Yes. um, As a joke. You know, because we, we suspect she may have been conceived on Australia Day. Yep. Um, you know, uh, silly sounding Australian town names and things like that. Um, yeah, let's name it Ayers Rock. No, that's not appropriate. It's, we should name it Uluru, things like that. Um, and then hit upon and then said, let's name her Watson Batilda. And then pause, that kind of hung in the air for a moment. And we were like, well, actually, Matilda's not so bad. Let's drop the waltzing. Let's not go crazy. Um, yeah, sat with it for a few days, 
both still liked it. We really like how versatile it was. Yes. we call her Tilly a lot. So, you know, she could be Tilly, she could be Maddie, she can be Tilda. She's got a few options. Hey, you. Hey, you, uh, fathead, um, massive financial drain. Daniel John Hall's daughter. <laughs> Daniel, at Daniel John Hall's daughter. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Dan, what Hashtag are you going- Dan, baby. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? I, I'm going to lose some weight. I am going to obtain more work that allows mm-hmm. me to allows me the freedom that I like and the creative output that I like in screenwriting. Um, Jesus, what a good question. Probably going to wash the screen or at least wipe down the screen of this MacBook that I'm looking at because it is filthy now that I can see it <laughs> under the light. <laughs> I don't know, maybe sign up to Netflix. I keep hearing Daredevil's pretty good. That's very good. I do like the Marvel films. It is it is superhero TV done really right, but that's uh, uh, that's not my – this isn't the podcast for me to talk about that. <laughs> yes, there are many avenues for people to hear your opinions on TV shows. Yeah, this is not one of them. Uh, Dan, look, thank you so much for sharing what you've done. It's been a wonderful com- conversation. Um Oh, I, I apologize if I was um, if I if I took it too serious at times. No, look, it, it I mean, dragged us down a couple of avenues that were not appropriate. No, thank you for sharing the things that you did. It, it's appreciated as are you. Uh, it, oh, obviously, you, you are, yeah, lot, lots of fun. You are on Twitter as at Daniel John Hall. Do you have any other social accounts that you want to own up to? Uh, no, Twitter's a good one. I'm on Instagram, but I never use it. It's not worth following me on Instagram. And I'm on LinkedIn and I hate it. <laughs> I haven't met anyone that's on LinkedIn that likes being on it. Oh, it's just, it's, it keeps wanting me to apply for jobs I have no interest in, mm. to view posts I have even less interest in, and to import all my contacts and become friends on LinkedIn with everyone I've ever met. It's all, it all it exists for. Some people take it very, very seriously. I'm sure they do. If they can get something out of it, more power to them. I don't like those people. Those people can speak to me. If you're listening to this and you enjoy and appreciate LinkedIn, I'm sorry. We're just never going to see eye to eye on anything. It's their loss, Dan. Let me tell you that. Yeah, they'll be they'll be losing some sleep tonight. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Daniel John Hall is indeed human. So we're just 